Hello, welcome to the Living Open podcast for mystics and seekers. I'm your host, Erin. I'm a Philly-based healing artist, and this is a podcast to support your healing journey. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Living Open podcast. I don't know how fall is feeling for you all so far, but it's been really interesting for me here in Philly. It really feels like a light switch flipped or something. It was like the transition into fall was very not gradual and now it's been raining for days. I think we're getting like slight leftovers from the hurricane and it's quite cold. Um, And like a week ago, it was in the 80s so it's been a weird (laughs) sudden transition um i think but i'm also really excited for autumn and you all know i'm a libra if you didn't know you could probably tell by listening to this podcast (laughs) um and definitely by reading joy notes that's an advertisement for libra-ness i feel like um but in general i really love fall and this fall um I'm really, really enjoying sinking into my creative routines, and Virgo season really asks us what we're devoting ourselves to, and then I think this season um, of Libra season and this fall is really making it feel clear to me that like, oh yeah, Virgo season is asking us what we're devoting ourselves to, and through the rest of the following months, like the following autumn, the question is like, how are we integrating that into our lives? How is that devotion showing up? So yeah, devoting myself to writing practice, to creativity, to connection and love, relationships always um, has been feeling really good. And I feel like I've really gotten into a beautiful rhythm of structure with my creative writing practice, especially that feels really exciting and fun and very autumnal. So all of that to say, I'm wondering how fall is feeling for you. I'm wondering what you're devoting yourself to this fall and how that's going, how that integration into your daily life is going. Um, feel free to chime in on Instagram or comment on the latest joy notes, joynotes.substack.com, and let me know. I would love to hear. And Chai Chai would love to hear as well. That was so loud that it's kind of hard to imagine that you didn't all hear it. Chai Chai would love to hear as well. I will be reading your thoughts out loud to my sweet cat. Okay, so this week's episode is on healing with spirits with the amazing Caitlin Grania of Spirit Garden Tarot. Caitlin uses they them pronouns. They are a queer, non-binary trans, a spiritista, psychic medium, diviner, and occult educator in LA. They specialize in facilitating conscious connections between the mortal and spirit realms, uncovering authentic ancestrally guided spiritual practices, spiritual healing through mediumship, and exorcism. It was really interesting for me to listen back to this episode 
after reading My Broken Language. I wish I remembered the author's name. I will link to it in the description. Um, but it's the Philly book of the year and it's a really gorgeous memoir from this person who is sharing about their story, their life, growing up with a mom who is a Puerto Rican Espiritista in Philly and North Philly and West Philly specifically, um, and how that has been a through line through their whole life and their connection to the spirits and so much else too. Um, but that's a through line of the book and something that they end up creating a lot of art about in the form of plays and music especially as they grow up. So it was cool to be holding that story from that book in my mind as I was re-listening to this to edit it and it's a gorgeous book that I would highly recommend reading. Um, in the episode, we talk about Caitlin's journey with spirituality and healing, how their kids are part of their spiritual practice and becoming the parent their kids need, loneliness, espiritisme, and how they connect with spirits, how the spirits move through them, working with troubled spirits, helping spirits pass over to the next realm, what spirits are motivated by, the healing work that their spirits do, and what they've learned about life from the spirits. And one more thing before we get into it, wanted to let you know that Holy, which is a seven-week reclamation circle, it's held over Zoom for ex-religious folks who want to create healing community together, is officially open again for application and registration. We start on October 26th, um, and I won't get into a whole long thing about it, but you can check out the link in the description if you want to learn more. It's, it's really about helping folks heal into more of who they are in community. I think one of the greatest traumas of Christianity for myself was learning how to not be myself. And so much of the journey has been figuring out how to be my actual self since then. So it's really community with folks who are on that journey to, to process, to breathe, to meditate, and mostly to talk um, and share about how we are becoming more of who we are, what we are holding on to, what we are trying to work through, noticing our patterns, noticing what um, has been sort of stuck in our bodies and in our lives as leftovers um, from, re from religions we have deconstructed from or are deconstructing from and how we can sort of step into our autonomy to um, create lives that actually fit and embody selves that really fit. So. Yeah, links in the description if you want to learn a bunch more, apply, all of that stuff. And that's all. Please enjoy my conversation with Caitlin. So I always like to start the show by hearing about your journey. So I'd love to hear anything you want to share about your journey with healing and spirituality and queerness and how it's brought you to, to this moment. Where to begin? Um, <laughs> I'm incredibly fortunate that spirituality and uh, spirituality, healing, witchcraft, even fantasy was something that was passed down to me by my parents mm -hmm. and something that was always a part of our lives. Um, my dad is from Cuba 
And he and his family practice something called Espiritismo Cruzado, which is what we were brought up in at night. And during the day, we were we went to Catholic school. On Sundays, we went to Catholic church. My mom grew up Italian and Mexican Catholic as well with plenty of folk witchcraft, folk they don't call it that though. <laughs> if you ask them, they will not call it witchcraft, but like folk Catholicism, um, saint work, saint worship. And I've just been, I, I can't say it enough. Like I am so grateful and so blessed that this is something that was handed to me by my parents and not something that I had to find on my own later in life. Yes, I did pave my own way as I got older and started going to the library and reading things like, um, you know, books about Wicca and witchcraft, because that's all there really was in the 90s was like Wicca and neo-paganism. But for the most part, I just kept returning back to my roots, which is Espiritismo, which is folk magic. Um, I None of this was ever unusual for me. It was always the most usual, but also very secret. And I think that's the one thing that's a little bit difficult about growing up within alternative spiritualities is that you learn really quickly that not everybody gets it. And there's this part of yourself that you always have to hide and going to Catholic school, like not only are we hiding this spiritual side of ourselves, it's really important. Like I've always been queer. Um, my parents, like my parents are very cool. My dad's an artist, like gayness was never like an issue in our house. Um, so I'm hiding all these different parts of myself as I'm growing up. And that part was difficult, but as I got older, um, I really returned to my practices and dug back into them after having kids. Mm. Uh, it became a priority for me, for my sanity, for my peace of mind to literally stay alive. I need to lean into my spiritual disciplines. I need to petition the support of my spirits, my ancestors, my guides, because trying to be a parent in late stage capitalism in the United States is certainly not easy. And if it weren't for all of the things, all of the practices, all of the spirits who have gotten me to where I am now, like, I don't know how I'd be able to do this. Um, so I guess it's just, it's always been a part of my life and it evolves through the seasons of, of me um, when I was in my early twenties, it was less spiritual and it was more focused on crafting and spell work and, you know, supporting myself during those survival mode years. And now it's really about, um, I like to call it the garden agenda. It's about nurturing our intentions, nurturing ourselves mm -hmm. as extensions of this planet as walking trees, as walking mushrooms, um, finding ways to reconnect with our planet and with our environment and with one another and being able to pass that on to my kids um, is where we're at right now in our practice. And it's a really, it's a really beautiful place to be. I'm very grateful. That sounds like such a beautiful place to be. 
and I love the garden agenda. I feel like I have to show you my sweatshirt right now. It just says "Welcome Home" and it has mushrooms yes! and little froggies and plants on it. That feels like garden agenda esque. <laughs> yes, we are all just giant mushrooms. Our mycelium is invisible, but it is there, and you can feel it if you want to, if you ask to, and if you connect to it regularly. And like then, like once you realize you know, I have mycelium, I have this network of roots that connects me to the soil, but not only the soil, to all of the different things and spirits and entities that communicate through the soil, the trees, the plants, um, the animals, the dirt itself, the little bugs, like it's amazing. I love the garden agenda. (laughs) I love the garden agenda. Yeah. (laughs) I would also love to talk about if you feel like sharing more about um, how you like do spirituality with your kids. I I don't have a kid yet, but my partner and I want to have a kid at some point. And that feels so exciting to me to, I grew up in like evangelical Christianity and I'm like, we're definitely not doing that. (laughs) I feel so excited to like do ritual with baby and to like, yeah, offer a different kind of spirituality. And yeah, I would love to hear about how you like do that with your kids and integrate them into your spiritual life. Yes. So it's actually, it's, it's funny. My kids are eight and six now. So this is something we've been working on for a while. And I think my best recommendation to parents who want to include their kids in their spiritual practice is like, just do it when they're around. Let them witness you and your practice. And if they want to be a part of it, they'll come stand with you. And if they want to learn the prayers or the incantations or the spells, like they'll listen and they'll start repeating it one day. And for me, it was really important that my children saw what was available through their mom, but also it wasn't forced on them. Like, bless my parents, we were very super open, but we also have that good old Catholic guilt ingrained in us. So we had to go to church every Sunday. I had to get all of my sacraments. I had to get confirmed if I wanted to get my driver's license. And like, I am not about pressuring them to do anything. I'm just about being really open with what I can be. There are certain parts of spiritism that like aren't really for babies yet, Um, but being open with as much as I can be and letting them join when they want to. And they do, they pay attention. They ask questions. Um, They can't always sit through everything with you, which doesn't bother me either because I think part of that, like, Christian, specifically like Catholic um, traumas that like sit, stand, sit still, sit still, kneel, sit still. <laughs> <laughs> Stop so pitching. Right? Like I have two neurodivergent kids. I'm a neurodivergent person. That shit was never easy to me. That stuff was never easy for me. And it's certainly not easy for them. And I remember like adults getting really upset when kids couldn't sit still in mass. And so sometimes I find myself getting like a little bit triggered when they're all wiggly and I just have to like take a deep breath. And I'm like, no, this is totally cool. Like they get to do whatever they want to do. If they want to be a part of it, they want to be a part of it. But the other morning, um, this really fun thing happened where they were asking me more questions about their guides. I recently gave them their guides names so that they can start Mm. talking to them. I'm like, talk to them in your head when you're at school, like when you're going through it, it's hard with your friends, talk to your guides. 
Um, so we sat in the morning getting ready for school and they just kept rapid fire asking me questions back to back to back. What color hair do they have? What are they wearing? Where did they come from? <laughs> Why do they like me? <laughs> I'm like, that was actually really fun, but I just, I try to be myself unapologetically myself around them all the time. And if they're into it, cool. And, you know, I truly believe that like, we are exactly the parents our children need. And I think the last few centuries of parents have not been well-equipped, um, well-cared for so that they are able to fully embody like the parenthood that their kids need. But now it's, it's different. Um, we're all still struggling, right? But our priorities have shifted and I just... I try to be open about everything from my craft to just all parts of who I am. And like spirituality is not separate from any other part of my identity. Um, I think that's another like very Christian thing, like who you are on Sunday between nine and 1030 is different from who you are the rest of the week. Um, This is just us all the time. This is mom all the time. And they pick up on what they like, which is cool. (laughs) yeah I think that's so cool that's um, I mean yeah I was very much pressured in Christianity it was never consensual it was never a choice and I feel very clear that that was really terrible and I would never want to do that to anyone else ever (laughs) Um, so it feels so sweet to just like invite them in in whatever like degrees and ways they want and feel good for them just be like this is what I do like you're welcome and also you don't have to (laughs) You're welcome. You don't have to. And like, if you have questions, I'm going to do my best to answer them for you or figure it out with you. Um, there's always questions, which is the most fun part. And just, you know, like they pick it up when they're ready. The other day I was sitting in the living room and everybody was loud. Everybody was talking at the same time. And I just kind of like closed my eyes and went to my special place in the others while everybody was running around around me. And about 10 minutes later, or maybe it was five minutes. I don't know. Time's not real. I opened my eyes and realized the kids were sitting still too, which is not something they normally do. They're not into the meditation thing, but because I just did it, they were like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll give it a try. (laughs) How sweet. And even just how sweet to like have have stuff so integrated into your life where you're not like, I need to definitely go like sit down and do this away thing or else like I can't meditate or have a moment or breathe, but like, let me just like have this now. That's especially important for caregivers, um, whether you're caregiving to children or adults or animals or whomever, Um, you don't always have the time and space to take time for yourself. Um, I think one of the most frustrating things parents hear is like, you got to take time for yourself. Well, who's going to watch my children and provide for them in those moments? And so we have to get creative and find ways to take time for ourselves in the midst of the chaos and embrace the chaos and let that become like the back, you know, the background sound to your meditation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's something I try to teach a lot of my, or share at least with my clients who are also parents and caregivers is um, this meditation where you find your sacred space in your mind or in the others and their spirit realms. And then it doesn't matter if you're folding laundry 
or making dinner, or you're sitting in the middle of the living room while your kids run and scream and throw pillows all around. Like you can get there and get a moment for yourself with your spirits and, you know, come back to earth as needed. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that feels really sweet. And I guess I'm wondering too, um, not to like only talk about parenthood and stuff, <laughs> I guess some of the questions that are coming up, just like, did you always want to be a parent? Like, does this feel like this was always going to be part of your journey? I don't know. I don't know that I always wanted to be a parent. Um, I know that for a long time, I didn't expect to be 30, let alone 26 years old. Um, And then it just all happened so fast. I was, I went from (laughs) just the bottom, very rock bottom um, of addiction and heartbreak and just being at my saddest and lowest. And then all of a sudden I was getting married and all of a sudden I was pregnant. And honestly, like I talked to my partner about this from time to time. It was kind of like a fever dream. Um, I think I was using for so long that like, it took me years to really come down and get refocused and realize what was going on. And one day I woke up and I had two kids Mm. and I, you know, I stopped using before we got married. I stopped drinking when I found out I was pregnant the first time. And I've just been like, Going through life <laughs> yeah, like this ever since then. And it's, I don't know that I ever intended to choose parenthood, but I am so fucking grateful that parenthood chose me mm. because having children has been the greatest joy of my life. The hardest mm. thing. It is the hardest thing, especially when they're so close in age and small. Um, But they make me want to be a better human every single day. And they make me confront all of the parts of myself that have been tucked away and hidden and smeared with pain or shame and, and deal with it so that they don't have to have those same experiences. Um, so that they can have the parent they need rather than somebody who's reacting out of their own trauma rather than responding to what their kids are showing to be in need of. Um, I, I don't know that I'd ever have chosen parenthood, especially like knowing what I know now, like parenthood's expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Existing in, in late stage capitalism is expensive, especially with two little ones who depend on you for everything. And it's, it's exhausting. I don't think you ever get used to not sleeping (laughs) again. Um, but it's so, I, I can't say it enough. Like it is so worth it. It is so worth it. And the earth needs us to be great parents so that we can usher in these next generations of stewards of the land. Um, you know, we see how each generation shifts from the one who came before them, from the boomers to the Gen Xers to the millennials to the, what is it, the Zers now. Um, and I don't even know what my kids are, but like <laughs> continuing to like reject what has become 
socially acceptable and expected, what has become conventional um, in all the best ways. And so I feel so blessed. I feel so blessed that I've been given the opportunity to like shepherd two people in the next generation. Um, and I don't take it lightly. I really don't. And I'm, <laughs> I'm going to cry. Um, I just, yeah. I have no regrets. <laughs> I have no regrets. It's the best. If I could have more kids, I would. TBH, I would. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that. <laughs> I really think like watching one of my best friends raise her kid, who's my godson, who I love so much. It just like has made it feel so clear to me, like how magical and how important it is to like raise these kids who we haven't traumatized, who are able to be soft and be connected and know themselves and know other people and like how much that can change the world for us, for everyone. They do. They know themselves. They know themselves. Like they only need our help knowing that it's safe to be themselves. Yeah. And, um, you know, like the pandemic has been awful, but those what was it year and a half two years that we were all stuck inside the house together like I am so grateful for that time we had together because even just sending them to school every day and like I went to Catholic school so that's a different devil but like they're going to public school which is you know a whole a new kind of convention that I'm not used to and just those hours that they're there have such an effect on how they see themselves and how they see the world. So in an exhausting way, <laughs> it was, it was a gift to be able to spend all my time with them for a few years and really like cultivate this environment, this like garden environment where these little seeds could grow in whatever direction they wanted to grow and express themselves however they wanted to express themselves without their classmates or their teachers, other adults saying something to them. You know, my mom said, this is fine. Um, both of my kids came out as non-binary trans during the pandemic. I'm like, duh, of course. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah. And they, you know, cut their hair and they wear whatever they want. And right now we're navigating through what it's like to fully express ourselves within conventional environments, which is, is hard. But I think that being open about spirituality and also just being open about life with them is helping them learn how to navigate through it. Cause I can't, it can't always be there. That's the hard part, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Making me think about like something that I'm actively working on all the time is like being able to hold my partner in my heart when they're not here and like know mm -hmm. and trust that like they still love me. Our relationship is still wonderful, even when they're not right next to me. And that's making mm -hmm. me think about how like your kids are holding you in mm -hmm. their hearts and maybe they're spirit guides too. Who knows? <laughs> but like how beautiful. Mm -hmm. We are really into birds and plants and trees. Well, I mean, yeah, we all love a good neurodivergent like fixation, but we love to like 
we get to know the birds. Like we know the different birds. This is the bluebird that comes to our house. This is the hummingbird that's over our house. This hummingbird is over by school. These parrots hang out here. These crows hang out here. And I always tell them like the birds watch you and they come and talk to me. The birds watch you and they come and talk to me. And they're like, did you hear the messages? I told the birds today. (laughs) So the trees are watching you. The flowers see you. We all talk to each other. Again, back to that mycelium energy where we can all talk, communicate with one another. I try to impart that with them so that they know, like, even if you can't see me, like I'm, I'm near enough for you to be brave. I'm near Mm. enough for you to have courage. Like I'm near enough for you to speak up for yourself. Yeah. And how, like, even when I'm alone, I'm not really alone because I have these people in my heart and I have these trees and I have this bird and like, I'm, (laughs) I'm supported and held. You're never alone. And like, Erin, like that is the hardest thing that a lot of my adult clients struggle with, you know, like, yeah, we all struggle with it, loneliness. And that's one of the greatest gifts of Espiritismo, of spiritism, of spirituality is that you realize like, I'm, I'm really not doing this by myself. I don't have to, if I don't want to, the spirits are here. And even if you're not into like guides and ancestors, the trees are spirit. The animals are spirit. Your neighborhood is a spirit everywhere around you. There are energies and entities communing with you, supporting with you. If only you ask them to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe we could talk a little bit more about like the spiritual mediumship that you do and ancestral connection and mm-hmm. yeah I'm like I don't know where you want to start to crack that open but I'm like what's it like <laughs> what's it like I mean it's interesting so I've I've been a medium since forever I think most of us are right as children we have these experiences of strange dreams streets you know sleep paralysis visions my mom's favorite story to tell is that when we I must have been four because we were living at my nana's house and I was playing in the backyard and ran in and was like tata dios afuera afuera which is like father god outside outside Mm. and we didn't have a Jesus statue outside we had other ones and my mom was like (laughs) 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 where (laughs) um but I've always had visions and my mom is the same way, actually. I've always had visions and I grew up around a very different type of mediumship than what you see like on TLC. Mm-hmm. Um, Espiritismo is, <laughs> Espiritistas are incredible mediums and their entire bodies become vessels for the spirits and our own consciousness kind of gets tucked away into this corner somewhere. Did you ever see uh, the second, it was like the, oh, it was this Netflix series about the haunted house. And there were two seasons, Blythe Manor. Did you see Blythe Manor? No. Okay. Cause there's this thing <laughs> sure. in Blythe Manor about being like tucked away while a spirit is within your vessel. And in the show, it's like scary, but I was like, oh shit, like that's what it's actually like. You get Mm. kind of tucked away and the spirits fully embody my vessel. They move my hands, they move my face, they move my voice. Um, Sometimes I speak in different languages. Um, My 
voice, the tone of my voice changes completely. My eyes usually close entirely. And I think there's something about shutting off one of your senses in order to activate your extra senses more fully. Mm. Um, The spirits not only communicate messages through me, um, they dance through me, they imbibe through me, they eat through me, um, they offer healing to my loved ones, to my clients through me. And the best way that I can explain it is that we call it mounting. Um, but I guess like from a Christian perspective, it's, it's, it's like possession. Um, but isn't it interesting how so many things in Christianity that are demonized are like standard practice for like pagans and African traditional religions and diasporic spiritual practices, um, possession, crossroads and goats and things. But basically I'm, I'm here somewhere. Um, and the spirits do their thing through my body. And it's, it's pretty interesting when I watch it back. I usually don't remember the things that I say when it's happening. I have to like listen back later or my clients will tell me after. And it used to be scary. At first, I remember being really afraid. And then one night they told me like, you kind of have to make a choice. Like you're either going to do this well and the way you were born to do it or you're not going to do it at all. all. They're talking through me now. Um, So we did, we went for it. And sometimes they do that. They'll just like pop in and start talking through me mid conversation, which is always fun. Um, Sometimes it's more like a whisper when they come through. Sometimes it's very loud and activated. And the other thing that I think is interesting is when I'm tired when I'm not doing well, my immune system's down, the way they speak through me changes. Um, They really lighten the load. It changes from my body being the vessel to me being more like a narrator and Mm -hmm. describing what's happening around me, describing what the spirits are talking about. So I guess it's different depending on me, depending on the spirits I'm channeling. When it comes to ancestors, I work with a range of different types of ancestors. So we have our benevolent ancestors who are, well, our benevolent and ascended ancestors. These are ancestors who have reached a point in their own personal healing, whether it was in the flesh or in the spirit, where they're able to be of assistance to the living, where they are able to offer guidance or some sort of help in some sort of way. Not all ancestors help with the same thing. Um, But then I also work with troubled spirits. I work with spirits who have experienced trauma. I've worked with spirits who have been the cause of violence, who have been the cause of pain. And I assist clients in helping these more difficult spirits and transitioning over to the other side. Because often I find that with psychically and spiritually sensitive people, when we're going through it, when we're having a hard time, um, when our mental health is super shaky, our depression feels really activated. It's not just us. Like, yes, it's you, 
Um, but it's usually not just you. It's usually there is some sort of spirit, some sort of ancestor who's also suffering and feeds off of your own suffering. And it's kind of this like cyclical thing where you cry into them, they, they cry into you. And so it's important that when we have these ancestors who are turbulent, who are troubled, who are struggling, that we transition them over. When I first started channeling, I was less, how do I want to say this? Um, I would just kind of like open the door and I didn't have as much of an understanding of this type of spirit is coming through, this type of spirit's coming through. That's something that really came with time and practice. And I, I know people always ask like, how can you tell? And I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I can tell who's there. I just can. Um, I don't know how I can tell how well or unwell they are. I just can. And sometimes when I can't, my guides will come through and they'll direct me and say exactly what needs to happen, who needs help, who doesn't need help, who can offer help, those types of things. Um, so yeah, that's what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. I have so many questions. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> well, I guess to start, I'm so curious about like this sort of cycle or loop that you were talking about, about like when you're going through it, like it's also, it's usually not just you and how, how do you disrupt that cycle? And like, does that happen with only with ancestors who have like recently passed or like can ancestors who passed a long time ago still be here and never like, okay, yes, I want to hear it all. (laughs) Okay. Well, especially when you think of the colonial history of the United States, most of my clients are in the U S but I do have clients all over the world. But if we think about just the U S or even just my neighborhood, I'm in East Los Angeles. I'm right by the San Gabriel mission. And there are so many spirits underneath a parking lot a few miles away who did not receive proper burial rites, who were not treated like human beings, and their spirits were not given the blessings, the prayers that they need in order to ascend to whatever their paradise, whatever their ancestral realms may be. Um, we can have spirits near us who are our own ancestors, whether they are recently deceased or much further back, people that we don't even know. Um, we can also be influenced by the spirits of the place, the spirits of our environment. If you move into a house where something, um, something sad happened, something difficult. Oh, if you move into a house where there's a lot of fighting, like those energies, attract spirits who are interested in that type of behavior, who feed off of that type of behavior and they linger in the space. And all of these, we're constantly surrounded by spirits. I can't explain this enough. We are like a school of fish and there are always spirits moving around us, moving around us, moving around us. And we can be influenced by any of them at any time. And in fact, we are. That that is like the core belief of Espiritismo that for better or for worse, we are constantly being influenced by the spirits around us. And it is to our benefit to get to know them so that we can figure out who do we really want to be influenced by? Whose help do we actually need? And when I'm working with clients, most of them 
assume that like the spirits who are coming through are spirits who have had a hard time or spirits who were very sad or spirits who were hurt. And that's true too. And we want to give them love and empathy and prayer so that they can transition. But I think the most difficult challenge is our ancestors who caused harm, our ancestors who were unkind, our ancestors who were violent, our ancestors who were complacent in or actively uphold, upheld the white supremacy. They're still doing that shit in the afterlife. Mm. And if they're not influencing you, they're influencing someone with those same ideals that did not evolve after they died. And as a spiritist, I believe it is our duty. It is our obligation truly to elevate these ancestors so that they do not continue to influence the living so that they may move closer to, we call it the light, la luz, um, so that they may move closer to the light as well and stop the cycle. It's very common when, how do I want to say this? Um, you know, the spirits go to where they will be fed. And spirits who cause pain eat pain, if that makes sense. And if you're experiencing pain, you can attract them. And I think that it can cause people to get kind of like hypervigilant sometime. Like, oh my God, I always have to be happy. I always have to be in a good mood. Otherwise, like I'm going to be bombarded by negative energies. And like, that's just not realistic. Like you can always eat quote unquote healthy. You can always drink water, but you might still catch the flu at some point. And it's really the same with the spirits. Like you can be diligent and disciplined and that's really going to set you up for greater ease. Yes. But eventually like you're going to have a bad day. Your heart is going to get broken. You are going to experience grief. You're going to experience anger. You're going to experience rage. You're going to experience disappointment. And those spirits who are attracted to that will come find you. And then they hang out unless you are good with your disciplines or you recognize it and help them move on. So what do you think that spirits want from us? Well, it depends on the spirit because all sorts of spirits want all sorts of different things. Uh, I was talking to my kids yesterday about trickster spirits. We're watching Once Upon a Time and one of the characters is Rumpelstiltskin. And I think it's really interesting because they give Rumpelstiltskin like a backstory. But anyway, like trickster spirits are motivated by hunger. They're not motivated by morality or amorality. So they're just trying to feed their bellies with whatever they can. And usually they eat attention, right? And so tricksters will move your keys around. They'll hide one slipper. They'll take one earring and you have to find it. And that attention is all they want. It's not, they're not trying to be obnoxious. They just need to eat something, right? And then you have your ascended ancestors and different ancestors want to help with different things. Some want to give you their opinion. Um, you might not always agree with your ancestors' opinions. <laughs> um, some ancestors want to share traditions with you. Some of them want to share their legacy with you. Um, some, you know, for the most part, what I find is that benevolent spirits just want to help humans do a good job at taking care of earth. 
<laughs> that is a common thread I have found. They might all have different approaches. They might all have different understandings and really like their understandings of how to care for the earth is relative to who their people and the regions of their people are. Their approaches are very culturally and geographically specific, which makes sense, right? Um, but for the most part, like benevolent spirits just want to help humans do a really good job of taking care of earth. Because what I have found through talking to spirits all the time is like the earth specifically out of all of the planets, out of all of the galaxies was a project and is a project of pleasure mm. is why we were given flesh. It is why um, reproduction was meant to feel good. Um, it is why flowers smell amazing, why birds sing, um, why touching skin, touching the earth, touching like anything can feel amazing. This realm, this garden planet was meant to be an experience of pleasure. And benevolent spirits are all trying to help us find our way back to that. There are, of course, spirits who wish they could be human. Um, there are spirits who have never been born to earth. And, you know, they desire to influence us to break things, quite frankly. And that's because, like, you can't have just one part of the spectrum exist, right? Um, that's not how life works. It's not how it happens. So there are spirits who wish to influence us to cause harm to ourselves, to others. And I think it's out of the desire to be of the flesh, the desire to be human, mm. the desire to experience pleasure. Um, because like all things, you know, it's that devil card energy. Like the devil is an invitation to explore the realms of pleasure and earthly uh, experiences, things that are, I, you know, labeled as shameful by puritanical ideals. But the devil can also be, you know, a challenge in, in moderation and exercise in moderation and how much is too much and when do things go too far? Um, there are certainly spirits who want to push us to boundaries that we aren't comfortable with or push us out of alignment, out of right relationship. Because the, like who wouldn't want to live here? Water, animals, fruit trees. Um, if you go back to like old creation stories, like Semitic creation stories with El and Asherah and the angels, and you think about like the watchers who many of them chose to be with like human women instead of being in the celestial realms. Like it's fucking good here. Earth is beautiful. People are beautiful. Um, so there are those like underbelly jealous spirits who try to influence us to cause harm. And I think that's probably why we got here. Um, you know, it starts with 
one person saying yes to the wrong thing and it turns into a whole thousands of years of extraction. But I think with our current spiritual awakenings of these last few years, more and more folks are starting to tune into spirits who existed before puritanical values became the standard spirits who existed beyond those values, even in the face of them. And we're intentionally being influenced by those spirits instead, more and more of us. And like, that's why there's this shift happening. That's why the world is changing slowly, but slow growth is how nature is designed, right? Like you don't plant a seed in the soil and the next day have a tree. Um, You plant a seed in the soil and you germinate for however long. They must go all the way down into the underworld before they can come back up to the surface. And even still, it can be years before a tree has fruit. Um, So our shift is slow, yes, but slow is sustainable. Slow is sustainable. Rapid growth is not in nature, at least, um, it's necessary. That's that like tower energy, a big change every now and then, but to create change that is lasting, it takes time. And I see that the roots have already sprung up from the soil, right? We're not still germinating now, which gives me hope. It gives me hope. Hmm. That was a long answer. (laughs) Oh, I love it. I think it's making me ask you if you want to share about the healing work that your spirits do. I think you mentioned mm-hmm. before we got on that your spirits love attention right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. Do you want to share anything about the healing work they do? Sure. So I work with a few different healing spirits and like in my head right now, I'm trying to think of what I'm going to say. And I hear them correcting me already. I was <laughs> like, it's really all them. And they're like, no, it's, it's you too. They always remind me to like, take more credit. I feel her hand right here. She's like, come on. Um, but I have two guides, three guides, three guides specifically who assist with healing and the one who is allowing me to name them and who comes out the most frequently is a guy named Felicita. And she just let me talk. Just let you talk. Okay. Okay. I'm going to channel now. Um, so what happens is I open the screen, the screen between the frame, between the frame. She's pointing, to, she's pointing to the phone. She calls the phone. She calls the phone the frame. Yes. yes. And I enter into the other side, the other side where the client is present, where the client is present. I first assess their, I first assess their environment and make sure that there are, and make sure that there are no spirits that need to be, spirits that need to be removed from the space. Then I approach the client and I identify the parts of their vessel. And I identify the parts of their vessel, the areas of the flesh, the areas of the flesh that are holding on to dirt, that are holding on to whatever it may be, be it pain, suffering, memory, loss. Sometimes it is attachments, attachments to other spirits, to other spirits. Sometimes it is attachments to other living beings. To other living beings. Sometimes there are sometimes there are points of, points of pain from not only 
this from not only this lifetime, but lifetimes and alternate universes, but lifetimes and alternate universes, it's timelines, it's dimensions, so many versions of you. There's so many versions of you to heal all of them. And to heal all of them is your life's work. Is your life's work. A garden is never complete. A gardener's work is never done. Is never done. I am simply a good gardener, a good gardener. One of the rivers, one of the rivers, one of the waters. And it is my pleasure to remove these points, to remove these points, these pains, these pressures and pins, these pressures and pins from the flesh, from the flesh. Sometimes I see them as threads, as threads interwoven into our minds, interwoven into our minds, words that have been spoken, words spoken to us, to us, that have become embedded to how we see ourselves, into how we see ourselves, how we see the world around us, how we see the world around us. And I pull them out, wrap them around a spool, and I wrap them around a spool. Sometimes, sometimes I'm removing entities. I'm removing entities from the body, but usually from the environment. Those can look like all sorts of things. And those can look like all sorts of things. Different. Demons, not the word. Entities, yes, yes. Demons are misunderstood. Demons are misunderstood. Yes, yes. The most important thing is that when I am done, is that when I am done, no matter what I am removing, is that I take the time to replace, to replace, to, to fill these now empty spaces, these now empty spaces with whatever it is, with whatever it is the, divine, the divine prescribes, prescribes that you need. That you need. Be, it peace of mind, be it peace of mind, peace of heart, peace of spirit, clarity, confidence. I do quite a bit of work, quite a bit of work around the throat, with courage, swords, clarity. But I never leave a job half done. I'm always sure that once I have filled these empty spaces, these empty spaces, I then surround the client in what Caitlin calls an egg membrane, as if you are the yolk. You are the yolk. Mm-hmm. And the energy, the barrier I put around you, I put around you is, is the membrane that holds the yolk together, that holds the yolk together. The seals, 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 the seals, the, the, the working that we've accomplished, that we have accomplished together. It's quite like, it's quite like these new stickers, these new sticks, new skin, new skin, new skin. New skin. Yes. Do you know new skin? Caitlin, tell them. them. Um, New skin is this sticker that they use to put on tattoos now that you can leave on for like a week or two if you want to. And it's actually a lot better for healing than when they used to wrap us in saran wrap and paper towels. Yes. Yes. It's like new skin. It's like new skin. It lasts about about seven days because it's important important to know that nothing is forever. And also we must be responsible, that we must be responsible for our own protection disciplines, for our own protection disciplines. Yes, yes. The last thing I do is 
pulled, whatever I've pulled, whatever I've removed or cleared. If it was a living entity, I typically crack the neck. I typically crack the neck so it doesn't come back. So it does not come back. And anything else just goes straight to the fire. Just goes straight to the fire. Talk about my chimney. Um, Felicita has a chimney. It's like a little um, iron oven with a grate. She says, kind of like something you would imagine in a witch's house. Witch's house. She's talking about like Hansel and Gretel. Yes, yes. Um, and she shoves whatever she extracts, pulls, clears into the fire. And once it becomes ash, once it becomes ash, she dusts. She dusts it into her little pan and walks to a stream. And pours it into the water, and these little silver fish pop up, 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 and they eat the dust, the ash, the dust, and continue down this stream. Then she washes her hands. She usually will put her hands on the head of whomever she is healing afterwards, and then she usually like kisses their forehead too. And then she comes back to the side, and she'll usually close the screen, and she likes to lock it too. Um, and then she, likes, she usually dusts her hands off and leaves. Um, do you have any questions? She says, do you have any questions? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so. That was quite thorough. <laughs> Thank I didn't you so expect her to give me all the details. <laughs> that was so cool. Thank you for sharing. You're welcome. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, how I've had um, like readings with practitioners before, but it's been different where I think, I mean, not that I fully understood like the inner workings, but I think it was less of like being like embodied by the spirit and more of like the listener, like this is what they're saying. And so it was, it was cool to see that happen for you. And yeah, I haven't experienced that before. Yeah, it's cool. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) they're so funny. They're like pulling my ear now. They're like, we've been telling you, they've been trying to encourage me to channel on camera more, Um, (laughs) which honestly like terrifies me because I, I'm less self-conscious of it now, but I don't channel in like in a conventionally American Hollywood way. <laughs> um, I really don't. And so I'm always hesitant about, I'm like, what are people going to say? I grew up in like early blog culture, Zanga and Blogspot. And like, I know what it's like to be harassed by internet trolls and so I'm always slightly hesitant and they're like you have to stop being afraid and just do what we tell you (laughs) (laughs) that fear is so real and valid though (laughs) yeah (laughs) we're getting there (laughs) I think I want to ask you one more question before I ask you the last question I always ask and it's just Mm -hmm. like is there anything else you want to share that you have learned about life from the spirits? Mm. (laughs) That learning about life never ends. Mm. That discipline is meant to be fluid and supportive and to shift with you like the seasons. Discipline is not meant to be 
oppressive or exact or one size fits all. That showing up at all at the altar, even if it's the altar of your body, you know, you might not have an entire altar set up, but showing up for your spirits through caring for yourself, um, just a little bit can change the trajectory of your entire day and that like you can always come back to your guides you can always come back to your practice it's never been too long you've never been gone for too long Um, they're never too far away they are never so disappointed in you for not showing up. Never. I think that a lot of us carry these wounds from how we were parented. That, you know, if I'm not good enough, if I don't show up with consistency, if I'm not perfect, that they won't be around. They won't keep loving me. And that's just not true. Like your spirits are here to meet you where you're at wherever you're at, whether it's at rock bottom or your best day ever. And even when you make mistakes, like your spirits, you know, some of them might chastise you. It depends on the type of vibe they have. But for the most part, like your spirits are not here to make you feel bad about your choices. They're here to help you wherever you are to choose to be the version of yourself you want to be. And like, they're not going to give up on you because they're not going to give up on earth. For whatever reason, this planet is enchanted. And because of that, like, so are the creatures of this planet. And we are, we are a part of those creatures. Um, They will keep helping you figure out better, full of ease, full of grace. They will keep helping you if you ask. And it's little changes at first, subtle shifts. But the more you make time for them, like the greater the changes become and also the easier it gets. Yeah. Can you tell people where they can find you and connect with you, work with you? Absolutely. You can find me at spiritgardentarot.com. I have quite a few different offerings right now. I offer one-on-one spiritual consultations. And in those consultations, we do ancestry work, spirit guide work, Um, as you become more in tune with your practice and your guides, I also do general readings. Um, I have a membership, which is super groovy. It's called moon shadows and there's a giant workshop library channeled, uh, messages from the spirits, which is my favorite part, a living grimoire that's growing. I offer a monthly rosary a live rosary on the first friday of every month so actually this coming friday 
which is a really fun thing, especially for like um, our, our Catholic survivors. It's been a really beautiful practice for a lot of us in healing some of that pain. I also have social media, Spirit Garden Tarot on Instagram. I'm cry now, cry later on TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Um, But really like the best way to connect with me is through my website and through my newsletter. I'm trying really hard to divest from Instagram. It does not make me feel good. It does not make my brain feel good. It doesn't make my spirit feel good. So my newsletter is really where it's at and you can sign up for that on my website. Thank you. I want to ask you the last question I always ask on the show, which is just (laughs) because the name of the show is Living Open. What comes up for you when you hear that? What does that bring up? It really brings me to where we started this conversation about inviting my children into my spiritual practice. Like I have had to truly live open (laughs) in order to be a good parent for them. I've had to be really, really honest about all the parts of myself and shine light on all the things and living open for me is showing them that it's safe to be themselves and that even when it's scary to be yourself, it's more fulfilling to live open and true than it is to be afraid and to hide who you are, right? There's always going to be environments that are difficult and that don't accept you. And I'd rather not be accepted for who I truly am than not be accepted for who I'm masking and pretending to be. Mm -hmm. Um, So living open is about fearlessly embodying the self, whomever that self is at any given point, fearlessly, even with the fear. Sometimes you have to do it afraid and that's okay. That's Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. That's what it brings up for me. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing everything that you shared today and for being here. It's so lovely to talk with you. Thank you for having me, Erin. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this episode, please do tap five stars and leave us a nice review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. I appreciate it so, so much. And it's a really lovely way to be in exchange with the show, with an indie podcast. You can check out all the links mentioned in this episode in the description, and I'll be back on Monday with another episode. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss it and stay in touch on Instagram at E-R-Y-N-J underscore or Patreon until then.